Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. I'm excited to be able to bring a word to you this morning. Um, I uh, have been excited, especially, I say I've been excited. Harvest is a lot of work. Harvest season, and I'm kind of giving myself away a little bit into the message, but this morning, if you picked up the message notes, I'll leave them blank for you to make your own personal notes in that, because specifically as we begin to hone in and focus on the harvest, I want you to, whatever you pull from the message today, there's certain things that I'm going to Uh, give you, but I want you to make sure that the Lord is communicating to you the way that he wants to as we talk about the harvest. Um, Because many of you, maybe you haven't been around the church world very much, but when we talk about the harvest, uh, most of the time we're talking about a vein as it pertains to to souls and to the kingdom of God, but it actually goes so much more than that as we want to see souls. The greatest miracle of, of of any miracle that can be performed is a soul that gets saved and comes into the kingdom of God. That is the greatest miracle, okay? Uh, greater than the, the dead being raised. And yes, you're sitting in a church that we believe that the dead can be raised. We believe that God still speaks, heals. We, we still speaks that it's not a pastor that communicates for you to God, that everybody can hear from the Lord and everyone can, can pray and hear the heart of God. So um, those, are, those are things that we believe here. But the greatest miracle, obviously, is that of salvation. But this morning, I want to lean into something uh, yes, souls, because we know that God is, has been sending us souls into the kingdom of God um, and people that have been getting transformed and changed. Wednesday night, we had uh, three guys from Adult and Teen Challenge that got water baptized, and we had uh, um, a young little boy that got baptized. So we had four, and then previously before that, we had uh, a seven on one specific Sunday. So God has just really been doing some things, and really to take that next step past salvation uh, in the sense of committing your life to Jesus and then going into the water of baptism, whether it's uh, for the very first time or sometimes it's where God begins to reveal things to you. He lifts the veil for you to see a side of him that you've never seen. And so he prompts you to go into the waters of baptism. Go ahead and do it again. Do your first works over. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But whatever it is, we've been seeing a lot of transformation lately, and that's really what churches are supposed to see. If there are no transformation, if there are no uh, guests coming through the building, if there are no lives being touched and you telling somebody else what God's been doing for you from the place that God has been feeding you from, then, then it's, it's a dead church and we don't want to be a dead church. Some of you, I, I, listen, I honor, we have people in this house that drive anywhere from 35 to over 45 minutes to come to church on a Sunday and Wednesday. So I want to honor you guys, but also those that's close by. But for those that understand that a church alive is worth the drive, regardless of where it's at. So we, we honor you and we thank you because you're part of the harvest that we've been praying for. We pray often into a 50-mile radius. God, send us the lost, not just the lost, but those that need to be here. Not just the wayward, but those, those that are looking for what it is that God's doing here through the vision of changing lives to change our world in this specific location. And we're in harvest season. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to the book of John chapter 4. 
John chapter 4. I'm going to read this, and then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of move into this. Um, John chapter 4, verse 31. Uh, and I'm, just to let you know, I'm going to pull from the whole book of John. I'm not reading the whole chapter. Some of you said, thank God. But for some of you, it'd be your Bible reading for the week. So we want to encourage you to read a little bit. But John chapter 4, uh, I'll be pulling from specific verses, but specifically 31. Verse 31, it talks about this. And if you know the story, it's when Jesus encounters the woman at the well. But verse 31 It says here, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, or teacher, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? This is always typical textbook disciples. Man, he he picked a group that were just so, it took them a while to get it. Anybody, like God has to put the cookie on the bottom shelf for you to get it? That's me, all right? So I'm right there with you. But this is his group of disciples. And verse 34 says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, now this is interesting. Anybody ever grew up with some sayings around you? I grew up with a, with a family that has a host of sayings. Some of those, I still don't know what they mean to this day. <laughs> you know, just good old Southern vernacular, the way they said it. And um, anyway, good storytellers and things like that. Jesus tells them, do you not say, is this not a saying of yours that there are uh, three months, four months, and then comes the harvest? He says, behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields that they are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages. That's important. The one who's reaping already is receiving the wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the one who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice together. You may be one that sows, and there may be one that comes alongside of you and reaps at some point later on, but you're both very important. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, about him and Apollos. One waters, one sows, and then God brings the increase, right? <clears throat> and it says in verse, uh, verse 37, for in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. Now, this is a prophetic word right here that I want to say to our people that we are entering into right now for situations people's lives. God is saying, I sent you to reap that which you have not labored. So it's not an arrogant thing and a prideful thing of anything that we've ever done, but to let you know that the souls of those that you're seeing come into the kingdom, you don't build the kingdom, you fill it, okay? So we're not building the kingdom of God. We're looking to advance it and we're looking to fill it, but we can't build it. The Lord is saying to us, Savannah Campus, that I've sent you to reap that which you have not labored for. Others have labored, and you're coming into their labored previous generations. I am a product of a grandmother that prayed. I believe that. I'm a product of, of, of family that has poured their lives into me so that someone else might be reaping. I think back of the prayers of my grandmother that sowed into my, uh, for the hedges of protection, my, my parents. But then there was a man that came along that saw that there was a, a soul that was right for the kingdom. Uh, and Philip Meek, and he pulled me close, and guess what? God's begin to bring forth the harvest. So you can see it that it happens in the lives of people. So who's in your harvest field right now? Let me just ask, I'm not even into my message yet, but who's in your harvest field? Who's in the wheelhouse? God has put a sickle in your hand, not literally, so nobody goes home and tries to swing it at somebody, but God has put a, a, a spiritual sickle called the Word of God into your, and the spirit of discernment to look around those in your specific field, I'm saying specific a lot, but those in your area, your periphery, and he's asking you, will you be willing 
to become a vessel that I can use to see them come into the kingdom because it's harvest time. Now, I want you to do something for me. I want you to shout on three, harvest time, okay? I get it. Some of you, listen, you come from a really laid back. I, I'm Pentecostal, so I got to have some, some talk back, all right? It's all right. Just don't smart off to me. Just talk back. That's all I'm asking. But on three, I want you to say harvest time so that you're awake. One, two, three. There we go. That's what we're talking about today. So anyway, I'm excited about this, about this message. Who grew up on a farm? Anybody? Got some right here? Right here? Right here? Let me ask you a question. What's harvest time like? See, we got to put this in context. It's work. I would assume, because I didn't grow up on a farm, I didn't, I didn't grow up having to worry about those things. I have a, a, a little boy, he plays on our baseball team. His dad, he sells and buys grain in, in Henderson County. And uh, his dad's having t- a tough time being at, at our practices and stuff because it's a, it's a busy season. But we understand it because it's harvest time. And it's when the hardest work is done. We all like to shout. Let's put it in context. We all like to shout, harvest time at church. Everybody shout and rejoice and oh, so, but nobody fully understands that this is not a season that where we just come and rah-rah and shout and all that stuff, but there's actually where you got to roll your sleeves up, you got to get up early in the morning, you got to pray, you got to fast, you got to seek, you got to press into the kingdom, because not only is there a harvest for souls for the kingdom of God, there's a harvest for souls for the kingdom of darkness, because it's a war. You're born into conflict, kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Once you got saved, hear what I'm about to tell you. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You were no longer, I, I say this often. I know that it's sung good back in the day, and we sung the songs about a sinner just saved by grace. No, you have been moved from darkness to light. Where are you at? If you're a sinner saved by grace, then you're still a sinner. No, I'm not. I got delivered because Paul is, but he is very explicit in, in, in his conversation the church at Corinth saying that you are no longer in the kingdom of darkness, but you've been translated, and now I refer to you as a citizen. We're not even considered to be church members. We are citizens of another kingdom, okay? I know we call it church members, but we're really citizens of a kingdom called heaven. And so you've been translated, but during harvest season, it's, it's early mornings, it's late evenings. And harvest is really the hardest part. It's the toughest time. It's where you have to make sure before the rains come, because how many of you understand November's coming, and that means that the rains are coming. That means that if you don't get it now, you're going to lose it. And you have to reap it before it rots. It's interesting that Jesus, in talking with his disciples, and many of the times you see that he makes references to the kingdom of God, and even here, as he talks about the harvest, and he, it, they were living in an agrarian society. It was agriculture that's sowing and reaping and, and, and all of those things. So Jesus was really good to have a conversation with somebody about where they were and what, so it made sense to them to break apart a parable so that they could fully understand. But in harvest season, it's not a time whenever you kick your feet up and just relax. We, a lot of times, and I think the Western church has done really good at pushing things, but lacking the demonstration to back up the word that they're declaring. And we have to be not only declarative, standing up and making decrees and declarations, but we have to have action and demonstration. Because that's the problem with signs, wonders, and miracles. We believe in them, but there has to be somebody that's full of faith to step out, speak a word, and see it happen. Because that's the demonstration. We, we, we have to see that. So, and here's the thing about the harvest. 
and we pray it, we preach it, we believe it, we're in it, but the harvest isn't going to pick itself. It's not. Those ears of corn that's physically in the field and the beans that we're driving through now and we're seeing that they're being harvested, they're not going to pick themselves. Someone has to get out and do something. They have to turn on the machine. They have to get up early. They have to work long days, long hours to make sure that they lose nothing. Make sure intend it, cultivate it, take care of it. There's a lot that goes into it. Now, if I could back up and give you some context, because how many of you understand the context of Scripture is very important? You can't just pull a verse out and make it mean what you want it to mean. You, you have to read it within the context of what it's talking about. That's so vital when reading Scripture. Um, and and uh, I would encourage you, if you're starting out on your Bible reading journey, to make sure that you get a translation that you can understand. People say, well, they're leaving this out and leaving that out. I ain't got time to get into that conversation. But there are accurate translations, okay? There are accurate translations. But get something that you can, it feeds you, you understand. And uh, I, I say this because I heard uh, Pastor Bill Johnson say this many years ago. People, somebody uh, had made mention to somebody at one point saying, uh, one of his members saying, I, I just don't understand what I'm reading. He said, well, I don't remember what I ate last Tuesday for breakfast, but it did nourish me, right? It's feeding the spirit. You have to make sure that you're feasting on it. So read, read, read. For, ask God to give you a zeal and a hunger for the word of God. John 4, this is interesting. Jesus has, is talking. Um, he, he's, in a, he's in a discourse with, uh, you look up, you see with with the Pharisees, and all of a sudden, he changes gears, and in verse 3, the Bible says that he begins to leave, and he left Judea and went again to Galilee. Now, listen to this. The Scripture says in verse 4, he had to pass through Samaria. He had to. Anybody that knows and read, and you can even see it uh, in verse 9, it'll give you some context. Jews did not associate with Samaritans. There was a racial barrier in between those, and it goes back some 500 years prior to this text. But within the, you have to know the context. I mean, at one point, Jesus calls a Gentile, which would have been a Syrophoenician woman, he calls her a dog at some point. So you have to know there is, there's hatred in between those. Not between Jesus, but according to the customs, he says salvation's from the Jews first. Goes to the Jews first. Feed the house of the children of Israel first. But Jesus gets an unction or gets an impression from the Holy Spirit because he was fully man. We know that he was fully man, but he was also fully God, right? But there were certain limitations that Jesus chose to live within. And I believe it's to show you, me, this is how you're led by the Spirit of God. Now, he's 100% divinity. He didn't ascend to his kingship. He was 100% a king when he was born. He was God in flesh. He's carnate. Okay, there's not three separate beings. It's God. It's God, God the Father, God the Son, God Holy Spirit, Jesus, and, Matt, and the Godhead becomes a mystery at that point. But Jesus says, I've got to go through Samaria. Well, wait a second. If the disciples would have been smart, wait a second, Jesus, you, we can't go through there. That the Jews would even set up and go the longest route uh, to, to bypass Samaria to get to where they needed to go because they did not, did not want to pass through this region. And it's, it's kind of the question for you this morning. God is trying to bring you into a harvest. But the problem is, what if he's leading you into a place where you feel like, wait a second, God, there's going to be tension there. Wait, wait a second, God, why are you leading me where you know there's going to be conflict? Why are you leading me into a place where there's a lot of division? I, I don't understand. Now, God's got to be the one to lead this. 
It's not something that you just presuppose and do on your own will. It has to be a prompting by the Spirit of God. But Jesus says, I've got to go through here. Yeah, but God, you're taking me somewhere where I'm going to face off against many enemies, foreign and domestic. A lot of demonic strongholds and, and things that I'm not ready for this right now, God, but I've got to go through it. Jesus is compelled by the Spirit to go through Samaria. And <clears throat> he goes to the well at midday, 12 o'clock, and <clears throat> this lady shows up, and there's a reason that she's there at midday. This woman, if you read the text of the scripture, it says that she's had five husbands, and the one that she's living with currently is not her husband. And no, that is absolutely not right in any way, right? And so she's avoiding the crowd. She's the talk of the community. Everybody knows her. Anybody ever been the talk of the community? I've been there. Not in a good way either. Probably not right now. <laughs> I had done anything, but that doesn't matter. Beware when all manner of men speak well of you. I don't have to worry about that one. I'm good on that. But has anybody ever been the talk of the community? Guess what? Small towns, people run their mouth. They're going to. Get used to it. Get over yourself, be delivered from yourself, and lean into the fear of God over the fear of man. Remember the quote, if you live by the praises of man, you're going to die by their criticisms. So don't live for the praises of anybody. Don't live for the likes of many on social media. Let God deliver you from that stuff. But this woman comes to the well at midday. I can identify with both in these situations. And Jesus begins to engage in a discourse with the woman, and there's an argument about worship and you know, geographical locations and then all of this stuff. And uh, in John 4.27, so we're going to fast forward just a, a touch. John 4.27, uh, the disciples, he sent the disciples into town to get some food. Um, basically, I think he was just trying to rid himself of them because they're just having to walk them through everything. If you read the stories of the disciples, they're so funny. And so he's sitting having this conversation with this woman, and they return back. And it says at this point, his disciples came back, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with the woman. Now, this is, you have to know context again, and cultural understanding. Jewish men did not talk and open with any, any women. It was very guarded. They were very guarded on that, and uh, might help us to do that some more in our culture these days. But, but they return back, and they see him talking with this woman. And uh, yet, but nobody said to Jesus, what are you seeking, or, or why are you speaking with her? What's, what's going on? So the woman, that when they come back and they see this, they're shocked and all, like, I can't believe he's having this conversation with this woman. But it's been interesting up to this point because Jesus, in the text, was having a conversation, and the woman is, she's coming to a well to get a drink of water, to, to lower the pail, grab water, and there's a well sitting on a well. Jesus, a well of life-giving water, is sitting on a natural well, Jacob's well, and she's blocking, he's blocking her ability to draw water and get in and get out before everybody comes back at a certain point in the afternoon and starts making fun of her again. She comes to the well for her own thirst to be quenched, but ends up encountering the one that has the voice of life-giving water. There's a frustration. You're, you're, you're blocking my way. Anybody ever encountered somebody? Maybe it's in the church. Maybe it's in your workplace where you looked up and you said, I just need to get my stuff and I need to leave, but it was a divine appointment. 
to where God was trying to work something out of you or maybe get something into you. But what you perceived as a problem, God was saying, this is a harvest right here, if you can see it right. So she encounters Jesus and begin to have the conversation. And Jesus tells her, he said, look, if you knew the gift that was in front of you, who was speaking to you, you would ask me for this water to which you'd never thirst again, and I would give it to you. But in the fact that he's Jesus, he has perfect love, and looking into his eyes, there's no, no doubt of what she was experiencing in the moment, except that she was probably struggling with guilt. She looks at him and gives him the answer, but you ain't got a bucket. Where's your bucket? You're talking about water. How are you going? Where's your bucket? Doesn't say this in the text, but I believe Jesus is thinking, you're about to become. Now, listen to what I'm about to tell you. We're in harvest season. You're, you're saying, I don't have a bucket, but what I'm, what I'm looking at right now is I'm looking at a container. I'm looking at a bucket, not a bucket head. I'm looking at a bucket. I'm looking at a container. I'm looking at a vessel that I'm about to pour life-giving water into, and then you're going to go back, and you're going to become a vessel, a bucket, a container that's going to be emptied out upon a whole region and a whole city, and you're going to see a harvest. What if what you're looking at right now and the current situation you're in is a problem? What you see is a problem. God says, I'm seeing a harvest. Now, I get it. We're talking about corporate harvest, but what about personal harvest? What about you? Why do you keep perceiving that person in your job is a problem? Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're part. Maybe they're a container that God's waiting on you to see the potential in. And as we talk about the gift of prophecy or words of encouragement, what are they for? To edify, to comfort, to exhort, to build somebody up, to see the gold in somebody overseeing the dirt because the dirt's easy to find. And seeing them as a container, seeing them as a bucket that as you begin to love on, just simple, it may take a while, it may take a month, it may take a year, but just constantly casting words of love and constantly sowing seed, right? It, it eventually going to reap a harvest. I won't take it deeper, but I think you're, you're starting to cap, capture what I'm talking about as Jesus looks and sees what many of us would see uh, as, as a problem, a woman coming, well, she's had five husbands. And the woman she's and the man he's with, with now, well, you probably in this culture some, but the man that she's with now is not even her husband. Many of us would look and say, let's write those off. Jesus didn't see someone to write off because he, he saw the potential. Can you see it? Come on, if, you, if you've been married more than once, twice, three times, whatever, listen, there's still hope for you. I'll encourage you to get some counseling, but there's some hope for you. And I don't mean that lightly because God can still use you. You're not cast off. See, the enemy would love nothing more than to say, you're just a problem. Come on, church folks. Some of us, too, we look up and we, we forget where we came from. We forget what God did for us. We forget whenever it was we made that decision and had that dream and God revived our passion and our love for him again. Or when we read that verse that it awakened something in me that put life back into my spirit again. How many Christians... How many believers, containers, buckets, and vessels are walking through life with no life-giving water? How many of us, we just, we're apathetic, we are lethargic in the spiritual things, we, we attend churches, we attend events, and we just do it, oh, I gotta check that off. Or how many come in 
And listen, I have to check my heart into this. I don't want to come and just get my fix. I'm not coming to church. I don't attend church just to get a fix. I never, maybe in a season of my life when things were going haywire and crazy and chaotic, then I would come in, I just need, I just need, the, I just need to get a fix. But then I would go back out, be emptied of it, and be right back in the same place. Because you're a container, you're a bucket, and you're filled with the wrong thing. So look at the person beside you and ask them, say, what are you full of? Okay, don't answer that on a Sunday. Some of y'all don't mess up. I, I got it. Listen, people say, you, you still remember some words you used to say. Some of you say, well, if you just knew. So, but what, what, are we full, what are we full of? They're looking for what, there, there's many believers that are looking for what God can do for them. What can, what can this local church do for me? Instead of, God, I want to partner with you. What could you do through me? Like, I, I think if I partner with you, because you understand many of you have received some powerful, I'm just get a little bit lean into this vein a second. Many of you have received some very, very powerful prophetic words of encouragement of things that's coming down the pike into the future. You know what that is? That's nothing more than a seed. God just sowed a seed. And many of us are carrying prophetic, powerful words of transformation from 30 years ago. And it's simply been because you haven't done anything with what you've received. Because it was, oh, I need that word. I just need my next word. I need my next fix. I need my next encounter. I need my next. But what for? Because everything is unto something. Every encounter I have with God, this woman, this encounter, she saw it correctly. She could have simply got a bitter heart. Well, I don't care. Tell me, are you trying to say I've been sleeping around? Yeah, I have been. But anyway, that's not the point, Jesus. I've had five husbands. She could have gotten bitter, become offended, and walked away from the well and never have seen a harvest of what we're going to see in just a moment. But her heart was correct because a word that's sown in due season, the Bible says how fitly it is. So when the word is received into the soil of the heart and the soil of the heart is correct, it'll bring forth a harvest. Many of you are carrying around seed. I'm throwing seed on the stage. And pray, pray, pray. Oh, please pray, pray. I pray that you would grow, grow, grow. I declare, right? Come on, I bind and break every demonic stronghold that would keep this seed from growing. But wait a second, where's the environment the seed was supposed to be planted in? Your calling might not have been in the church house. Your calling as a school teacher. And God gave you a seed, have you sowed it? What are you doing with what you got? What are you full of? What's the condition of your heart right now? Oh, I love Jesus, but I can't stand. And I said, whoa, check your heart. The soil's wrong. It's got to be cultivated. I say it around here a lot of times. We will do ministry with you, but we won't do it for you. Well, the point of that is just like with anything, we want people to grow and expand and their ability, their faith, we want them to grow and see how God wants to use them. I mean, we want to see growth, 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 growth. All right. I want to go back and look for just a moment because I'm going to really explore the lady for, the, for just a little bit uh, here. But the lady has been through a lot, obviously. I just feel like I got to speak to that person, man or a woman that has walked through so much life. There's so much baggage from the past. Anybody got some baggage? You don't have to raise your hand. 
But how many of you, you, you have baggage, you have things from yesterday? Because that's the ones that if you'll allow God to use you, you're the ones he loves to use. Because he'll take this one that was running in this direction and he'll 180 them, a Paul. It'd be like, think about it for just a moment. The most well-known terrorist in ISIS that in a moment's time has a Saul to Paul moment and everything is changed in their world. Look at the people that are scared half to death of them specifically. And then they make a turn, come into the kingdom of God, and all of a sudden, look at the influence that they're carrying. Look at the stuff that you weathered, the storms that some of you have walked through so much. Look at the storms that you've weathered. Look at the circumstances that looked impossible and God showed up every moment, every time, protected you, kept his hand on you. You should have died 37 times, but somehow you walked out. Somehow, well, yeah, we understand that somehow. It's you. He wants to use you. So stop beating yourself up. The enemy will use your voice and he'll condemn you out of your calling. God will convict you and draw you in, but the enemy will condemn you and push you further, further, further away. And in the moment of Jesus having this conversation with this woman, and he tells her, I just mentioned it earlier, she immediately lost her physical desire for the water she came for because she had just experienced, and, and she says, she looks at Jesus and says, I perceive you to be a prophet. And, and Jesus, all he did, he used some words of knowledge. He said, you know, told her about her home living situation. The Bible says that she left her water pot setting on the well, and she goes back to the city. And then she starts, she's an evangelist. She starts proclaiming in verse 29, says, come see a man who told me all the things that i ever done. This is not the Christ. Does anybody ever have any questions? Could this be? God, is this right? Anybody? It's okay. Like, how many of you have ever had things that's happened in your world? You don't know what the future, like, why did that happen to me, God? I don't understand that. I'm not trying to use Pastor Reddy's story, but I don't know. We, we've asked the question over and over and over again, God, what are you doing right now with our ministry? And I have to remember what he said last Sunday. Most of you, I mean, you, you're connected to the house, you know, with Pastor Reddy losing Pastor Sherry. Just, you would think that this woman's at the pinnacle of seeing a movement of God across the nations of the earth. I mean, we have trips planned here and there, and many of us are going. They're, they're still going. That thing's going to continue on. It's not going to stop. But what we would perceive to say this is the pinnacle of her ministry. Lives are being touched. We're building churches. We're building schools. There's things happening. But all of a sudden, God, what, what are you doing? What, what is this about? It's, not the, it's okay to question God. You just don't question his existence or question his word to believe that this is true or not. We know that the word is true. But again, that's where maturity spiritually begins to happen when you can say, God, what are you doing? But nevertheless, it ain't my will. It's what you want to do. And embrace it with the right heart. That's when you'll spiritually start maturing because then you'll move. God will start taking you and you'll see things from a different light. I'm not saying you'll fully understand it, because as Pastor Eddie says, God plays the long game. We play the short game. We look from moment to moment. We want everything to be good. We don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to have to walk through chaos. We don't want to have to walk through seasons that are tough, right? So if, if that's you right now, listen, let me just tell you something. Be encouraged. Turn your heart completely 100% towards God and let him use the story you got. Because you've got a powerful story. The experiences you've Anybody with me this morning? You with me? Okay, just make sure everybody's still awake. 
Come see a man. And I, can you imagine this woman has had five husbands? And I bet the whole city is like, oh, I bet you met a man. <laughs> What's this one's name? <laughs> Who are you moving in now? Who are you moving in with? So, but she was saying, wait, 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 I understand, but there's something different about this one. There's something different about this man. When I looked into his eyes, all I could see was perfect love. When I looked into his eyes, I felt compassion for the first time. When I looked into his eyes, I felt, I don't know what this even means, but grace. He's full of grace and truth. When he began to speak to me, it was just like a gushing of, of rushing waters. And, and as he began to speak to me about a well, I started feeling something on the inside of me. and it began to change my perspective. You, you got to come see him. You got to come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. All he did was just say, you've been living with five husbands and the one you're with is not yours. All right? And talk about worship a few things. But that's all he said. Because sometimes, listen to me, those of you that function, and everybody should, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That's what the scripture talks about, words of encouragement, edification, and comfort. You start stepping out and taking risks and finding the golden people instead of the dirt. Come see somebody. Come, come meet a man. Come meet a woman that told me everything that I ever did. Is this one of the many sons and daughters of God in the earth? And all of a sudden, it reaps a household. It reaps a family. It reaps a community. Listen, there's no end to what God can do right here in this region. We're praying for other churches, but there's no, there's no end to what God would do if you would just become a vessel that'd be emptied of your selfish ambition and desires and saying, God, what can you do for me? And start saying, God, what can you do through me? You want to use me as a vessel? Fill me up and pour me out? Go for it. Do it. That's what God wants to do. That's his desire. That's his heart for every person. She began to tell these other people, I can only imagine in my mind, he's not like the other broken vessels I've met. He's whole. So as this woman leaves, again, you, you, you write your own points. I'm telling a story this morning. As this woman left and went and began to preach, disciples come back talking about food. Come on, Rabbi, you got to eat something. We've been traveling. We know your parts. We know you're thirsty. We know you're hungry. You got to eat something. They're looking at Jesus and trying to minister to him with something that they feel like he's going to need. But he flips the story on them and he says to them, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. The woman, in, the woman comes to talk to Jesus about water. Disciples show up to talk about food. Isn't that interesting? But he said to them, I've got food to eat that you don't know anything about. Because there was something internal that was starting to fuel Jesus. Something like looking beyond the natural limitations of man, seeing something that would satisfy for a moment but would, could never, uh, um, never do it for the long haul. Um, and the disciples were saying, well, that we, we didn't. Who brought the food? Did anybody bring anything? They're still confused up to this moment. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish it. What was their heart on? Because when the disciples are thinking about having a meal in this moment, Jesus is on task and thinking about a mission that he has to accomplish. I must go through Samaria. I've got to go through this region. So this is my question to you this morning. Are you meal focused? Are you momentary focused? Or are you truly mission focused? 
Where are you at? Meal or mission? You have to, you have to figure that out for yourself. What, what's my point? In this season of my life, is it just to take the seed that I've been given and consume the seed? Or do I take the seed and I plant it, cultivate it? I may be hungry for a season, but I plant it. And then all of a sudden, eventually, it's going to bring forth a harvest. Right? Are you consuming your seed or are you sowing your seed? Now, we could take that and go a million different ways. Listen, let me just say this for just a brief moment. The tithe has absolutely nothing with with, uh, God needing your money. Listen, I don't look at 10%. I look at the 90, okay? He only requires 10 from me. He could require 100%, but he doesn't. And so that's something that I turn loose of. And I, I, that's yours, God. That belongs to you. It has nothing to do, God needing your money. It has nothing to do with the church needing your money. It has nothing to do with that. It's a heart-focused thing. God, I trust you enough to release the 10 that belongs to you. So my question to you is, do you sow? Do you release it? Do you let it go? Do you, do you, do you invest in that? God is wanting to partner with you in that. I understand meal or mission focus, but that's my question to you. Now, here's the deal. This is what, I'll just move on from that. But here, here's, here's what I want to tell you. So many of us in the toughest seasons of our life, we get weary, we get tired, and we begin to give up on the words that's been given to us or we begin to consume the very seed that God gave us to sustain us for long term. And I just want to tell you, if you'll be faithful and honor where you're at right now and continue to sow, not just, not just in your finances, but of your time, think about where God's placed you. The seeds of your future are in the faithfulness of right now. The seeds of your future are in the faithfulness of today and right now. What are you sowing? AJ, if you would, Jesus in verse 35 says, there's still four months, then comes a harvest. He told him, he said, I, I, behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe. Remember, the woman's gone into the city. Woman's gone into the city. She's proclaiming, come see a man. Eventually, they all start coming out. Remember at the beginning of the story that the Samaritans didn't have anything to do with the Jews, right? Let's put the story into context. When Jesus tells this in verse 39, it says, Now from the city many Samaritans believed in him. They looked up. The disciples looked up and they finally figured it out. This is not about food. This is about a mission. Because when they looked up and they saw the line of the Samaritans coming out from the city, coming to Jesus in this moment. Jesus is telling the story. Do you not say that there's four months and then comes a harvest? I'm telling you, lift your eyes and look at the fields. They're white. Here they come right now. What you perceive as a problem in this time, God is saying, look on the fields because here they come. They're coming to you. This puts the story in context for me. What I've been perceiving as a problem, God, you're, you're wanting to bring a harvest out of it somehow. How can I see that? What's your perspective on it? They looked up and saw the Samaritans coming, didn't associate with them, didn't talk to them. Heaven wants to give you and me a harvest. But let me just tell you, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So... If the devil can keep you from recognizing it, he can keep you from reaping it. 
If he can keep you from seeing it from heaven's perspective, you'll miss the, you'll miss the, you'll, you will reap. Can you be faithful and invest and sow and not lay down? Because harvest is hard work. Don't stop praying for that, lo- that, that lost wife or that lost husband, lost child. Don't stop praying. Don't stop sowing because harvest is hard work. So who are those that will reap the harvest now? Not, not long, not two, three, four years away. And here's what I feel. There's four things here. Just examining some personal things. Here's those that can reap the harvest now. Those that humble themselves. Number two, those that walk in humility. You lay yourself before God. God, there's none other but you. I don't have anybody else but you. I'm not going to depend on man to take care of anything that I need. I'm going to do my part and what I'm supposed to do. But at the end of the day, God, I can only do what I can do. You're God. You can do all things. And number three, trust. The easiest thing to say, but the hardest thing to do, trust in God. If I want to reap, I got to trust. It's easy to say when everything's going well, when we're all healthy, you have enough money in the bank account. It's all easy when all the things are going well, but let something happen. It rocks your faith. And then the last thing, just be faithful. Bloom where you've been planted. Where have I been planted? What city? What job? What church? I want to be careful as I say this, but I I really feel this in my spirit. Um, Why don't you stand to your feet? Somebody in this room has been sensing to walk away from your family and then you raise your hands just keep it to yourself but I'm here to be the voice of a shepherd and a pastor and tell you do not walk away that is not God's will for you to walk away God called you I know it's tough I know it's been hard wrestling with an unbelieving spouse and it's been turmoil in the home. But I want to pray over the whole of the congregation and just cover you in prayer. As a matter of fact, while I'm praying for them, if you have felt God has called you as a container, a bucket, so to speak, in this time and this season, kick it. I don't play with wasp at all, I promise. But if that's you, and you know God's called you to become a container for the kingdom of God, uh, I want you to lift your hand right now. And you're, you're experiencing problem, problem after problem. I see hands coming up. Come on, come stand. And while you're coming, come on, step out and come right now. Quickly, quickly. You raise your hand, you know who you are. Come on, we're just going to pray. And for uh, while you're coming, Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, come on, yes, fine, come on up. Oh, well, I understand. I don't understand what's going on with that. Um. But right now, in Jesus' name, over the family, that that the person that has felt to walk away, in Jesus' name, I pray a hedge of protection over your mind, your will, your emotions, and your family. Jesus, I pray for the peace of God to come. Touch this family. Touch this person. I feel specifically it's a wife, and I pray over you right now in Jesus' name. Don't walk away. In the name of Jesus, I pray for the grace of God to come. 
touch your heart, touch your mind, touch your life. Flip this today, God. Give them faith. Give them strength to continue to move forward. I thank you, Lord, that you've put that husband and that wife together. And I thank you that you're going to uplift, encourage. In the name of Jesus. For those of you that God is calling you and you've been walking into conflict and it just feels like problem after problem. And it's time to reap a harvest. And uh, I'm, I'm praying right now in the name of you. Come on, extend your hands out in front of you. Father, I pray over them right now that you would begin to give them a heavenly perspective. I want to let you know that you've been seated with Jesus in heavenly places. So today, God, let them start looking from heaven to earth instead of earth to heaven. Help them to start seeing it as they're seated with you, Jesus. Sons, you're a son, you're a daughter, okay? You're, you're, you're called royalty. And so God is wanting to, to do something through you. Things that's been happening to you over and over and over again. But I just decree over you in the name of Jesus that what was meant for evil, God's going to turn this thing for good. Even as we've come out of this story and this series of lessons from a dreamer, that from a moment that you're going to go from the pit to the palace, that God's going to shift you. There's just a shifting today. I pray that over you, over your minds. I pray, God, that you would empower them to encounter the presence of God. Right now, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come right now, Holy Spirit. Come right now, Holy Spirit. Come, come. We thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. I want you to just receive as you're in the altars right now. Thank you, God. Containers. Vessels for the kingdom of God. Work in a mighty way. Work right now, God. Work right now, God. Work right now, God. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, move. Move right now. Move right now over their hearts. Come on, I just feel courage coming. I feel courage coming. I feel hope coming back. Where you felt hopeless, hope's returning. Even some in the seats right now, I feel just a wave of hope. Just the presence of God. There's angels here to minister all over this room, pouring hope into empty hearts. Feel to tell you it's not helpless. You're not hopeless. You're going to walk out of this room full again. Containers used for the kingdom of God. God's going to give you perspective from seeing a problem. You're going to see a harvest. I speak it over you right now. Life. Hope. That's what you give, God. That's what you give, God. That's what you give, God. I speak peace over you. Speak peace over you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Kingdom of God come. Will of God be done. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.